Hey everybody, welcome to Simply Holy Living, where we make the holidays holy days. We are entering into Advent 2021, and our theme for this year is going to be making room. The idea is that we want to strive to make these days holy by sort of taking the natural hurry of the season, the hustle and bustle of the holidays, and sort of reclaim our time. And we'll do that a couple ways. Maybe we can carve out some extra time where we uh, get to practice silence and solitude and just be alone with God to really contemplate his coming, you know, Jesus's birth, and also sort of do that introspective work of making sure that we're ready for the second coming, which is really the whole focus of Advent. Just to grow in our intimacy with him and sort of slow ourselves down through this season to really savor everything that it has to offer. Another thing is we might be able to take those normal uh, seasonal activities of writing cards, shopping, um, you know, giving presents, whatever, and sort of infuse a spiritual practice into those activities so that we can make them holy activities where we can be doing them with God or for God rather than just something else to check off the list. The idea is that we want to walk through this season. The idea is that we want to walk through this season with God. God and come out stronger than we started, more holy, grow in our holiness through this time. So if you are entering into Advent for the very first time this year, I want to release you immediately from the burden of doing it right and definitely not doing it perfectly. People have been celebrating Advent for hundreds of years and we're not going to get it all in year one, two, three, whatever. The idea is that we just grow a little bit every year. So my recommendation for you is just to put one thing into practice. Maybe read a book, read a, an out, you know, a, a, a section from a book every single day for Advent. Maybe get Ann Voskamp's book and um, read it with your kids. Or maybe just keep an Advent tree, do an Advent tree. You know, maybe just celebrate on Sundays. Um, whatever you can do, just do one new thing. There's so many resources online. If you just Google the Advent, you'd find so many resources that'll help you go through this time. And I think it's just a nice thing. It's, it's nice to just find something that you can do. Another thing I want us to really think about, I just feel like I always need to say this, is I know that Christmas and Easter and uh, Halloween, you know, they're really all pagan dates, pagan holidays that were Christianized by Constantine. And, you know, that has always kind of bothered me. I know it bothers some of you too. I do. I don't, I was really happy to find Advent because I just had grown so weary of the Christmas season. Um, just the monetization and the commercialization of it all and just how it frantic it felt and how I just never really felt closer to God by the end. And I just thought there's got to be something wrong with this. So when I found Advent as an adult, it was like, oh, it was, it was just a gift from God because I feel like it really showed me how I can celebrate these days and grow in my holiness through these days and I can just savor every minute of it. Um, but, you know, for all of these holidays, I think there's ways to make them holy. Um, for example, for Halloween, you know, um, I totally get all of you Christians who are like, I will not celebrate Halloween. I totally get that. That's kind of how I feel inside, but I just can't figure out how to pull that off. But, um, we started years ago, um, having a, uh, an annual pumpkin carving party for Halloween and not because we loved Halloween, but because we were just trying to figure out how can we use this opportunity for God, you know, and it is hard to get to know your neighbors, you know, even you're trying to share the gospel with them, you're trying to reach out to people, but like, how do you get to know your neighbors? And we discovered along the way that people just love to go to parties. And if you invite them to a party, they'll probably come. 
And if you invite them to a party where there's actually something to do, that's even better because, you know, um, really, um, only extroverts really love parties. Introverts, they're kind of like, yeah, they feel awkward. But if you give them something to do during a party, then they'll, they'll come and they'll have fun. So we kind of started this practice years and years and years ago. And people have actually become Christians because of this. We've, you know, get to know them. So we moved to a new place this year and we just had our annual, you know, pumpkin carving party. And we had seven families from our neighborhood come out. It was amazing. And then from there, we got invited to a, a trick-or-treat party, a pre-trick-or-treat party. And we met about five more families. So that weekend alone, we met more people than we had met in the whole year before. And it, you know, I, I'm sharing this with you just to say, you know, these holidays are not exactly, uh, you know, true to form. Like we don't know that Jesus was born in, you know, in December and all of this stuff. But we can take these holidays and we can, we can make the most of the opportunity by making them holy. You know, it was, it's a gift to be able to get to know my neighbor, so I'm going to take advantage of that. Right now, during this season, we want to take advantage of this time, um, you know, and we're not going to celebrate the way the world celebrates. We're not going to celebrate what everybody else is doing and all that. Yes, we're going to be doing it differently. So. I'm excited that you're on this journey with me. I hope that you will release all of the burdens for doing it perfectly, and we are going to have a great time. All right, let's get started. So the way the Advent works is that the four Sundays before Christmas are each dedicated to one of the qualities that Jesus brings, and the very first one is hope. But the thing about hope is that it starts with bad news. That's the thing, the bad news about hope. Because by definition, you cannot have hope unless you are in a situation that is somehow a situation of want, of longing, of grief, of sorrow, of something that you want to change, maybe something that's unresolved. Because we don't hope for what we already have. Isn't that what Paul says? We don't hope for something that we already have. So the bad news is that to even experience hope, the way the Bible talks about it, we have to first acknowledge what want we have or what grief we are in. Now, I'm sitting here making this video in 2021, and I'm thinking about over, I'm thinking back over the past couple of years, and I'm not trying to depress anyone. That's the last thing I want to do. But I don't think that any of us has to look very far to find something <laughs> that has been difficult, challenging, um, disheartening, or whatever word you wanna use over these past couple of years. You know, if you haven't lost someone to COVID, you probably know someone who has. I have a good friend who actually lost both of her parents through this last year. And just thinking about how, how that must feel. And even if I haven't, I'm feeling her pain because when one part suffers, we all suffer with them. So it's been sort of a collective suffering that we've all been going through. And that's not to mention all the unrest in our country and sort of the, the palpable tension that we all feel all the time with this almost civil war going on. And, you know, to, to have experienced a lot of the, the injustice that's been revealed and, you know, it's just been disheartening, discouraging. I find myself despondent so many times. And then all of that, of course, is, 
is on top of whatever you have going on in your own personal life or personal family. You know, sometimes this holiday season can be extra hard because it forces you into dealing with things in your family that you haven't wanted to or that you've been sort of avoiding. You know, this is a hard time for parents who have children who are wandering. This is a hard time for um, us to be going through the holidays maybe with our aging parents or unresolved issues with our families. We we want to have a, ha a happy family. We want to have a family that gets along and has a good time, but then you get together and it just doesn't work. You know, we just can't get along. We just cannot, you know, treat each other with kindness. I don't know what the deal is, you know, but there's, there's such a longing. So as we talk about hope, we kind of have to start with the longing. You know, I, um, I have been um, driven by the spirit, I guess it is, into the book of Lamentations as of late. Now, Lamentations is a book that I would, you know, avoid like the plague because I just hate bad news and I don't like to be depressed. You know, I'm sort of that person that wants to be happy all the time. I'm always looking for the quick fix. I gotta feel better, you know, you guys know. I'm like, give me the pill, whatever it is. I wanna feel better. Um, so that's kind of my personality. And, you know, from inside out, the characters, you know, I am Joy. I am the person who would tell sadness, there's your circle, here's a circle, sit in that circle. I don't want you getting out of your circle. So that's sort of my natural propensity is to avoid pain, to avoid all this. But, you know, there comes a time where when you're going through life where you realize that just, you know, words cannot express sometimes the, the pain that you're in. And the beauty of the Bible is that it gives you imagery. It states things in images because it knows that the affairs of the heart are so deep that words are insufficient. So even though it's using words, it's using words to paint images, images of God, images of glory, images of pain, images of sorrow, you know, all of this. And, and I have found that by reading Lamentations, it has given me a voice to be able to express some of the, um, the, the pain that I, I don't have any other way of expressing. So something has been drawing me to it and I've just been marinating in Lamentations and I'm not definitely not going to try to bring anybody down. But I have to tell you that for me, it has actually really helped because it's been able to give give some sort of, I don't know what it is, solace to my heart, I guess is what it is. All right, the way Lamentation works is that it is five poems of lament and each one of these poems is like its own literary masterpiece. <laughs> They're acrostics of the Hebrew alphabet, so it has all the letters of the alphabet and all this, I mean, all this crazy literary stuff that I couldn't even possibly express. I, we, we know it has to be divinely inspired because there's just no other way to explain it. But it also has this other literary device that many of us have just recently learned about, the chiasm, where it has the whole point of the, of the book is right in the middle. So it's got Lamentations 1 and 2 on one side, Lamentations 4 and 5 on one side, and then right in the middle, everything points to Lamentations 3. So it is this chiasm, the point of the book is in 3. And all of this is so cool, and I wish I could explain it better, but i that's not why I got into Lamentations. The reason I got into it was because it connected with me emotionally. And, um, you know, it, the way that it's told is that uh, it has a narrator, and the narrator is speaking about an adulterous woman. And, of course, she represents Israel. 
um, because they had gotten to a point in their history where all of their sins were catching up with them. You know, God had tried to lead them. He tried to persuade them. He tried to do it my way, do it my way, you know, and they were just not going to do things his way. They had rebelled. They had done things their own way and it had all come back on them. So all of their sins had come to call. They are sitting smack in the consequences of all of them. They have lost everything. They lost their country. The temple had been torn down. They were exiled. You know, they, their, their children were gone. They, they lost everything. And of course, who can't relate to this when you get to this point of, you know, you did it your way and you, you know, somehow God was trying to warn you, but we, we all find ourselves kind of, you know, doing things our own way. But then at the end of the day, we find ourselves sitting in the consequences of our own sins, which actually I find can be so painful, so much even more painful than Painful things that happen to you. Life happens to you. You know, people pass away. You know, sometimes you're hurt by different things. You know, uh, the inequities and, and the unfairness of life are things that happen. But when you're suffering from the consequences of your own sin, sometimes it's even more painful. So the narrator is telling the story about Israel. And, you know, if you have time to read it, honestly, I would do it. But I don't want to, I mean, I'm not in the, I'm not in the, um, business of, of depressing people <laughs> right now. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I just think it's such a connective thing. There's this one line in there that really connected with me when the narrator is talking about the woman. And this is in chapter two. And um, it's around verse, mm, I wanna say 13. He says, what can I say for you? With what can I compare you, daughter Jerusalem? To what can I liken you? that I may comfort you, virgin daughter Zion. Your wound is as deep as the sea. And I just have, I, I connected with that so much because you know, you're trying to express, you're trying to say, this is how I feel and there's just not words. But that image of is, yep, it is as deep as the sea. That's why I can't explain it. But it's important to understand that this is the context in which Jesus came. These are the people, the people that went through losing their children, losing their parents, losing their freedom. They'd been in slavery. They had been in exile for 70 years. I mean, it's important to remember that they were coming out of a despondent time. And I'm sure that many of us can relate to that despondency. But it's right out of that that we find Lamentations 3, one of the greatest passages about hope in the whole Bible. And I want to start by reading, let's see, let's start in verse uh, verse 17. So this is Lamentations 3, 17. It says, I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. And you know, this is a feeling, if you haven't had it yet, you're going to have this time in your life where you're like, everything I had hoped for is not happening. This is just not the way I pictured life turning out. This is not the way I pictured this turning out. You know, I was trying really hard over here and I just didn't expect it to give this result. But you can feel at times like everything I'd hoped from God is gone. I've lost it all. I have no more hope. So the next line says, I remember my affliction and my wandering the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. In fact, in the um, complete Jewish Bible, it says, this is why I'm so depressed. Yet, and then you circle that word yet. 
Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I want to look back on this passage and just kind of break it down a little bit. We start by him saying that he's remembering all of the afflictions, the bitterness, the wanderings, the problems, the memories, all this stuff from his from that's happening, all the bad that's happening around. It's happened in the past and it's happening now. And every time you remember these things and you focus on these negative things that are going on, you create these pathways in your brain that actually become bigger and bigger and bigger, more well-trodden, I guess you should say. Just kind of like if you were walking a path in the in the forest and you kept walking that path the first day it would be hard to get through the second day would be a little bit easier because you're creating a path the third day easier the fourth day easier but three years later that is a well-worn path where you know exactly where you're going and that's what happens in our brains the more we think about these negative things the the hard things the more we focus on them then the more we are tempted to focus on them it feeds on itself you know, it makes me think of that scripture that flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. The more we indulge those thoughts, the bigger they become. Yet, he says, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So if we want to be able to have hope in the midst of these hard things that are happening, we first have to make the decision to call to mind that the good things. Where does he start? He says, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of his great love, I am still alive. That is what it's saying. Because God is so loving, because of God's great love, I am still alive. And this is where he starts it. We are not consumed, right? For his compassions never fail. Now he adds the compassions of God to it. And if we want to be able to experience hope in the midst of all that's going on around us, this is something that we can put into practice. You know, when we're going through these hard times, we have to actually train ourselves, teach ourselves to call to mind the right things, to call to mind what it's talking about right here. So the first thing we do, our eyes open in the morning. And honestly, sometimes when our eyes open in the morning, we can automatically go straight to all the problems or the pain, the suffering, the hardship, whatever it is that we're going through, that can be the first thing on our mind. We could be waking up to it during the night and we could also be waking up to it in the morning. So the first thing we have to do when those thoughts come to mind is we have to go, thank you, God, that I'm alive though. Thank you for giving me another day. Thank you for breath in my lungs. And from the minute that you open your eyes and you start thanking God, thank you for another day, and you your feet hit the ground and you go, God, thank you for this house. And all the, all the while, while you're getting ready in the morning, you are thanking God for each and everything as you go, you know, through your morning routine. God, thank you that I have a home to wake up. Thank you that there's a heater. Thank you that I'm not on the streets. Thank you that I had that warm, comfy bed. Thank you, God, that I have, you know, I'm going into my shower and I have hot water in my shower. Thank you for running water. Thank you that I have, you know, a, a bathroom right next to my bedroom. You know, thank you that I have shampoo and conditioner and face soap and all this stuff. You know, thank you for my hair dryer. Thank you for everything. 
If you are going through the very first minutes of your day, thanking God for all of these things, these thousands of gifts, by the time you even get out of the bathroom, you have already started to set your mind on the things above. You've already started to find hope. This is where you're going to find hope is by allowing yourself to ruminate on the compassion of God, the love of God, all these little gifts that he's been giving you. We have to make a decision that we're not going to let our minds go on all the affliction and all the pain and all the stuff and remember them repeatedly and going over like a loop, like one of those, you know, things that the records they used to get, they used to get stuck in one certain place. And that's what happens to our minds. They get kind of stuck. But this is how we get them unstuck is by recalling all of these good things about God. This is how we find the hope. It says, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know, this is how our morning routine can be. That we sit down and we, and we let God teach us new things. We let him open our eyes. There's so many times where I can sit down and I think, I, I, I don't think God's going to be able to revive me. And something magic happens when we're reading. <laughs> something magic happens when we're just spending time. It could be in a different way every day. It could be that I'm doing a breath prayer and I honestly feel different after these three minutes. Um, I could be that I read something in the Bible that I've read a thousand times, but all of a sudden I see it in a new way. It could be that I'm reading a book that opens my eyes to a whole new way of looking at life. I mean, it could be in a lot of different ways. It doesn't have to be the same way every single day. It could be many different ways. You know, some people like to read the Bible really slowly, the slow word movement, and sometimes that is incredible. Other times I like to read a whole, you know, book of the Bible at a time. You know, I've been reading Lamentations through almost every single day all the way through. It's only five chapters. But, and that's been helping me lately. But, but all of those, could do all of those things. But this is how we get new insights, new mercies, new blessings every morning because God is faithful every morning. We may not be faithful every morning, but God is faithful every morning. That's why it says, great is your faithfulness. You know, we are, our faith is not measured by our faith. It's measured by God's faithfulness. We can't measure things by our faithfulness. We have to measure it by his. You know, sometimes, and I've said it before, it, the only thing that we can do is just stay faithful for one more day. That's what it means to be a Christian today. Stay faithful for one more day. God has been faithful and will be faithful forever. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is everything. He is. That's his name. I am. He is faithful. Isn't that amazing? Anyway, so this is how we ignite our hope, even in the midst of our affliction. I'm going to tell, and I'm going to talk about one more thing. I'm just going to read a little bit longer. It says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence. And I want to just talk about how it how it gives us these instructions to wait quietly, 
to sit in silence. And this is another way that we can practice hope. We can ignite hope. You know, there's little practical things you can do. You can arrive somewhere, uh, you know, just in your life. First of all, slow down enough to be able to get somewhere early. You get somewhere early intentionally, 10 minutes early for this appointment, for this study, for this whatever it is that you're doing, and sit in your car for 10 minutes. Sit quietly, not with any music on, don't listen to the radio, don't have a podcast, don't listen to Audible, nothing. Complete silence and just practice waiting on the Lord. Just sit and think about what's coming the hope that's coming. Jesus is coming back for you. You could read scriptures on hope. You could meditate on one passage of hope, but just sit quietly, practice waiting. You know, one of the greatest things that we could do, that we could make, we could infuse all of our things, like I was talking about earlier, all of our activities for the holidays, we could infuse them with the gift of waiting picking out the longest line in the store so that you can practice waiting. I was at Hobby Lobby today. I practiced waiting. <laughs> I was in the longest line. But you're sitting there waiting. You're, you're, you're listening to God. You're praying. Or you're looking around maybe, maybe to strike up a conversation with someone. Just becoming aware of that. Or you're, you're, you're arriving somewhere and instead of sitting on your phone, Instead of looking at one more text, instead of looking, scrolling through social media, you just sit quietly and you wait on the Lord. I mean, isn't this an incredible concept of hope? Ah, I hope that I hope that it is to you as it is as it is to me. And I wanted to just talk about one um, other scripture about hope, which is in Romans. And in Romans 12, you know, it's that one that gives you all these great one-liners in Romans 12, um, verse, starts around verse 9 or so. It's called love and action, you know, where it says love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And it goes through all these things that you should do. But one of the things that it says in verse 12 is it says, be joyful in hope. And I want you to just meditate on that. How do you be joyful in hope? Here we are, we're sitting in an affliction or we're sitting in a time that doesn't feel good or we're, we're in a grieving time. But that causes us to have hope for another time. And so if, we're, if our hope is only in God changing these circumstances that we're sitting in, how could we possibly be joyful in that hope? I think what the Bible's trying to get us to do is to go, don't wait until everything's resolved. Don't wait until I fixed everything. Don't wait until everything works out the way that you think it should. Right now, in the situation that you're in, practice hoping for what is to come joyfully. <laughs> and that is enough for all of us to take in at this moment. So we're on our way. We've started week one. This week is going to be all about hope. For those of you that are on the um, are on the Facebook, Simply Holy Facebook page, I'm going to be posting every day something new about hope. So I hope you'll join me there. Um, for those of you that have gotten the book, the you know, a Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, 
good job, I'm proud of you. It's gonna be awesome, you're gonna love that read. For those of you that are going through other books during this time or other podcasts, awesome, it's great. It's gonna be an incredible time. And I hope that this lesson, I hope that this lesson on hope helps you until next time. Thank you.